This is Jim Pruitt, and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. So I farm so hard, the employees want to find me, and then want to hire me. What's 100K to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Farm so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never want to see another B unless I'm Jay-Z. Farm so hard, let's get paid. What's good, fam? It's your host, Jim Pruitt, a.k.a. Form Data ED, and I'm bringing you another episode of the Farm So Hard podcast. I have something that's going to be amazing for you guys. It's going to be a really unique episode, and I'm super, super, super excited. Um, Before we jump in, a few housekeeping things for you guys. If you haven't already, look out for the Empower Conference. It's going to be coming March 11th and 12th. Again, you can find that at EmpowerRx/conference.com. That's going to be there. Of course, you can check it out on social media and our websites. And of course, if you want to get into some of our premium stuff, always check out PACU again, Pharmacy and Acute Care University. So check that out. So now that's out the way. Let's go ahead and jump into this episode. I've been like really excited. We've been planning this for months and this life is just life. And I'm just like really wanting to get into it. So just for everyone, can you go ahead and just introduce yourself? And we're going to dive into this episode. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. I love all of your podcasts, interviews and episodes. So it's really an honor for me. Uh, My name is Dr. Victoria Reinhartz. I am what we call a mobile integrated health consultant pharmacist. And I basically work with and alongside emergency medical services teams who are going and providing services uh, proactively in patients' homes. So not on a 911 or emergent basis, but we are going to patients' homes to identify disease and social issues that are uh, going to eventually cause a 911 call. So our goal is to prevent that. Yeah, that's amazing. I think most people, even when you look at the terms, it's like, you're like paramedicine. Like, wait, 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 no, the paramedics, like, no, I spelled it wrong. So I think a lot of people really didn't necessarily understand that 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 background is something I had to look into as well. But before we get into that, for some of our people that are listening, can you really go back through some of your uh, some of the things you were interested in in pharmacy school, because I think like each step that you've had, the story gets more and more interesting. So I think the audience need to hear this. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that when we're when we're talking about background and history and how I got to this point where I'm at, it's important to know that, you know, before pharmacy school, I never held a leadership position. I was super shy. I had never stepped out of my comfort zone from, you know, a personal growth standpoint, a professional growth standpoint. And I took my first leadership position ever while I was in pharmacy school and kind of just continued to push myself and say yes to things that I really wasn't even totally sure that I wanted to do, but I I knew I wanted to challenge myself. And, you know, I got involved in a couple different organizations. I would go to different conferences while I was in school. And I actually did not pursue a residency. I know uh, residency is a super hot topic when we're talking about emergency medicine pharmacists and specialty pharmacists, but I did not pursue a residency. I uh, I became a pharmacy manager for Target back when Target was our beloved Target pharmacy. <laughs> and I was in that role for several years, but again, continued to figure out how to develop myself in every way possible. I became a district pharmacy resource, supporting the efforts of the 12 stores in the Tampa Bay, Florida district. And I became a trainer for new pharmacists that were onboarding with the company and became a preceptor. And, and there were a lot of different things where I 
continue to develop skills um, even early on in my career. Absolutely. And I think that's really key. This is why I really want to get you on, especially this time of the year, because people are pulling their hair out right now, trying to wait for residency interviews, things of that nature. And the more I look at pharmacy, the more I get involved in podcasting, people are doing some really interesting and cool things that if you're, to be honest, if you're pigeonholed by residency, you would never want to experience. So I really appreciate that point, how you went from you know, just not being very active initially as far as like leadership wise, that what pharmacy considered to be leadership and then getting involved in pharmacy school. And then from there, building yourself, building your practice, like building at Target. And then from there, it gets even more interesting. So I, I just think that was a cool phenomenon for, for you. And I think a lot of people need to just understand if you're an interesting person, I would say. If you're someone who has ambition, who's, you know, just really wants to figure out what's out there, mm-hmm. you can find something for you. And I think you've really did that. So before I move into talking about paramedicine and his mobile integrated health, so can you like from 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 Target, what happened then? Because most people, unfortunately, they get into the community, they do a little and it just beats them up and that's it. So what happened between there and kind of where you are today, because it's really intriguing. Yeah, well, you have hit the nail on the head, right? That we tend to, in our profession, look at it as those that go to do residency are the successful ones, so to speak. And if you don't get a residency or things don't work out exactly as you were hoping initially, that maybe somehow that's less than or or, or not as significant of an achievement. Uh, but I think if I'm proving anything, I'm proving that you can take what I what I lovingly call the scenic route. And you can you can still achieve any goal that you have for yourself professionally. You just have to embrace that your path is going to look slightly different from maybe what, you know, what a mentor might have said or or what somebody else advised you to do at some point. So, you know, I was there as a, a target pharmacy manager. Uh, I, of course, retail is brutal. It's even more brutal now than it's ever been. Uh, but even back then, you know, you're, you're looking at 10, 12, 14 hour days and, and no lunch breaks. And it, it was really tough. But I think that, you know, I identified that personal growth and professional growth and, and projects that I was passionate about that really helped focus me on patient care on, you know, um, mentoring and developing other people on education, those things that I was saying yes to, in addition to my role as a pharmacist on the bench, those things kept me going and kept Mm -hmm. me thriving and kept me finding satisfaction, even in a community setting. And so again, it is about, okay, so I'm not happy where I'm at. So what skills can I develop and what can I do? So again, I had taken on those extra responsibilities as the district resource, as a preceptor, as a trainer. And uh, I started to also uh, explore opportunities for doing things like speaking and participating. So whether that looks like going and doing a, a lecture on you know, um, safe OTCs for your local rotary club or your church or, or whatever that looks like to start getting yourself out there, developing some additional skills. And then I, uh, in doing a, a lecture in my community or, or a speech in my community, LECOM, which is a school of pharmacy in, in Bradenton, Florida, 
they were currently recruiting for a faculty role and they saw me speak and recognized that I had the skills to do that. And uh, I did accept a professor role at the School of Pharmacy. And I have been in that role for, I guess, a little over six years. Yeah, that's amazing. I think in everything that we see, especially because we do teaching certificates, things of that nature, sometimes you can't you can't teach certain things. You can't teach the passion. You can't teach wanting to actually teach. So it's like one of those things where we go through all these training and I'm PGY1, PGY2 and all that crap. And it's like, I, I feel that we we are not telling our students the entire truth about the opportunities that are out there if, again, if they're motivated. So I think that's unique. You went from, you know, community uh, and then started doing stuff on your own and then you positioned yourself to be, in a position where you started teaching. Now that we've kind of caught to that point, which is, I think is really cool. Can you just, before we get into, because I think we're going to have to define some of these things for most of our audience. Can you explain what paramedicine is and talk about mobile integrated health? And then once we get through that, just talk about how can our pharmacists be involved? Because that's like your niche right now. And we really want to expand on that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'll tie it into my path as well. Mm -hmm. When I accepted my faculty role, again, I took it as an opportunity to kind of reinvent my clinical skills, make an impact in a new place. And I started doing some public health work with our local Department of Health. I started some consulting uh, work and in providing pharmacy guidance and advice. And I got brought in to provide guidance on a project for developing a community paramedicine program. And so this, even as a pharmacist, I was saying, what is community paramedicine? So community paramedicine, as a definition, is, is basically where we take paramedics, EMTs and paramedics, and we give them additional training and support in say, you know, substance use disorders or mental health conditions or chronic diseases. And we send them out into the communities proactively, not when a patient calls 911, but before they need to. Mm -hmm. And we help uh, utilize these teams to, you know, identify those disease and social issues that are causing that patient to constantly call 911, to bounce back and forth to the hospital and, and end up with really poor disease outcomes. So that's what community paramedicine is, is using those EMTs and paramedics and that much more, you know, community risk reduction, uh, preventative role. And it's really effective because if anybody knows you know, Mr. Jones or Mrs. Smith that doesn't have what she needs and is, is going to call 911 again next week, it's paramedics and EMTs. So that's what community paramedicine is by definition. Mobile integrated health is actually then when we take that community EMT or that community paramedic and we partner them with mm-hmm. another interprofessional healthcare provider. So this is our allied healthcare professionals like myself, a pharmacist, um, like nursing, like social workers, like uh, mental health counselors, physicians, of course, but dietitians. I mean, the list goes on based on, you know, what the specific needs are in that community and what's causing those patients to, to continuously call 911. Perfect. That, that's amazing because I can, again, working in the ER, it, it seems like if those patients, if you don't get to them, I'm going to have to deal with them in in my shop. And it's amazing how we think now, especially with the pandemic going on and everyone 
is flooding to the ER. Like our hospital system, I worked yesterday and I was just amazed that the volume that I'm traditionally used to seeing was double. And what happens is it's not necessarily just COVID. That's an issue. Then we realize that we have a backlog of patients that has other mental health conditions, chronic disease states that are not being appropriately either managed because they can't get in to see their providers, or it's just so many other components that are going on that you're probably more familiar with than I am. And I think a program like this everywhere would completely like revolutionize healthcare. And it's something that when we talked about the first time, I was like, why, why am I not doing this? Why is everyone not doing this? It seems like the perfect scenario. And I'm, I'm just amazed by that. And I'm thinking to myself, what other things can we, can we do? But you spoke about the overall role of like what this, the mobile integrated health is. Can you talk a little bit, a little bit about, you know, what is your set thing? What are you doing to kind of help get these, get these, EMTs, the different team players involved when it comes to the medication side of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, and, you know, in your role firsthand, you recognize, and, and you, we've all seen it, right? Every single person listening to this podcast, they'll open that med list and they're like, this is a mess, right? <laughs> like there's duplicating meds, there's interacting meds, there's doses that are totally unsafe. There's, there's meds on their med list. And you're like, so they're here for diarrhea or they're here for, you know, AFib or, or whatever it is. And, and you're like, well, this medicine caused it, right? Yeah. Like, you, you Every know, time. when you open it, it's, a, it's often a hot mess. And we're finding that in these patients, you know, these patients that are high system utilizers, bouncing back to the hospital every month or every other month, uh, patients that are calling 911 a couple times a week, uh, patients with four, five, six, seven, eight comorbidities, right? You, you know, you, you've got end-stage heart failure, end-stage COPD, you're on dialysis, right? Once we have that patient population, we know that there's going to be some med issues. And we find that there's anywhere from two to six medication problems, real legitimate problems with the medicines for each of those patients that we have enrolled in these programs. And so, Again, you know, I cannot speak highly enough to the skill sets that an EMT and a paramedic bring to the table. They are the best at triage. They are the best at navigating, you know, uh, in, in out of a traditional setting uh, mm-hmm. space. They are just awesome at what they do. And, uh, and they have the patient assessment skills that we as pharmacists don't have, but what they don't have is all the pharmacology knowledge for chronic disease management. They don't know the most evidence-based guidelines. So they, they might walk into a patient's home and identify, you know, that, that, uh, Tom Smith is having a, a hyperglycemic episode and that we need to probably adjust his insulin. But, you know, the, the odds that that paramedic knows exactly which insulin to adjust, what the dose adjustment should be, whether or not that's, that's in alignment with, you know, uh, AACE guidelines and things for this year, that's not their expertise, right? Mm-hmm. But that's where a pharmacist is spot on for their skill set to complement that. And that's what I do on a regular basis when I'm working alongside an EMS an EMS team. Yeah, that's really cool. Cause I've had a few EMS ride-alongs and again, more on the acute side versus what you guys do in prevention. And it is, it is very different than what most people think is happening at, the, at home. Um, you walk into some of these patients' homes and you know, you just realize there's so many challenges just to be able to 
get them from their home to the pharmacy. And then you yep. have all the resources that are needed to be able to ensure that they receive basic, basic needs. So the fact that you guys are going out and being able to go through all of that and identify problems and fix them at their home is, is amazing. And I think it's something that more people should really consider and figure out how can we make a team of of that throughout all of our major areas and especially in some of our more rural areas. Because where I am now, we have our major center in downtown Charleston. We have multiple facilities, hundreds of miles out where people don't have access to the, the healthcare professionals. And I can see this being something that can be really helpful in rural health and in, in all areas in general. So this, this is pretty amazing. And I think that's something that we probably we're probably going to talk about a few more times on here and <laughs> get more people involved. So along with that, do you have any, any other projects that you're that you're working on right now or any, anything that we can really like look forward to for you coming out anytime soon? Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of things moving right now. We're at the cusp of the new year. Uh, we started in 2021 with the Reinhardt's Rundown, which which started as you know a quick two to three minute video, a clinical pearl about some random pharmacy topic. That has been launched. Uh, so those are available for any pharmacist and students that are interested in just a, a quick non-time bound, right? A couple mm-hmm. minutes for a review of a clinical topic. We're also launching a variety of different courses focused on outpatient monoclonal antibody administration. Um, Mass vaccination sites was done this past year. And we also have a variety of mental health courses coming, which is fantastic. And then uh, later in the year, we do plan to launch uh, more or less a, a, a clinical crash course for pharmacists that might be in a retail setting or, you know, maybe didn't get their dream position, but really are recognizing they want to reinvent themselves. They want to go for a new position, or maybe they want to work in mobile integrated health like I do. And so we will be developing courses specifically for pharmacists that are looking to reinvent their own careers as well. Perfect. That's amazing. I think right now with the pandemic, everyone's looking at their career and saying, can I do this for five more years, 10, 20, 30? Um, and I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to just analyze what we're doing. You know, we work pretty tough jobs. And I think from a retail standpoint, things have changed drastically. And I feel for my, my, my brothers and sisters out there who are going through these very tough working conditions. And uh, I'm just going to flat out say it that we have to change within or these places are going to crash and burn, to be, to be honest. But I, I digress on that. That's an episode for itself. <laughs> As we're closing out, what, what advice do you have about how, I know you mentioned the course, but is there any other advice about how pharmacists can actually get involved in mobile integrated health and paramedicine? Because like, what's the first step? Like, What's the first thing they can do if they're really interested in this? The first step I would say, you know, connect with me. Uh, There's not too many pharmacists in the realm of mobile integrated health, uh, but connect with me, find me on LinkedIn, right? Find me, find me on Facebook, find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is my primary for anything professional and related to my business. Um, I'm always also recruiting. So 
Like this year, I'm recruiting a variety of speakers. I'm recu- uh, recruiting for, you know, clinical content development and online course development. I'm recruiting for, you know, people who want to do writing. I'm recruiting for people who want to do preceptor and mentorship. There's so many options to figure out a way to get involved. But I would say that's the number one thing is just send me a message, connect with me, send me a message on LinkedIn. And if I can support you in some way, I'm happy to do that and kind of give you the inside scoop and, and provide some resources. My website is also a really great option. Uh, so mobilehealthconsultants.com. And then uh, from there, you can sign up for those updates, right? So the clinical updates we talked about, um, blog and articles that are coming out about mobile integrated health and, and how to get involved and what the topics are. And uh, all of those things are great ways to start getting involved. Perfect. Any last tips? Again, I think right now we're in this very interesting area. Any tips for students and residents right now? Because the, the market is looking very different right now. So I just want to say, like, is anything you can kind of, if you had to give them, you know, a couple of tips as they're getting ready to come for this next next semester? Yeah, you know, I think that anytime we talk about huge and, and monumental change, it the number one thing is fear. It feels overwhelming. It feels like maybe unattainable. And I think the quote that has been in my heart and in my mind a lot lately, and in um, especially with the passing recently of Desmond Tutu, who who was a leader to um, you know really help change things in South Africa and bring down apartheid, he has a quote that he says, which is, "How do you eat an elephant?" Mm-hmm. And the answer is one bite at a time. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I feel a lot of connection to that, uh, with his recent passing, I've been reflecting on just the monumentous activity that he, the, the monumentous task that he undertook re- relative to human rights. And although, you know, my personal journey, it could never be compared to that as far as the value to the world that it would bring. I think that that has really helped center me a lot when, uh, when I feel overwhelmed or when I'm launching this big new project or initiative. Right. And I think it's the same for anybody. If you're looking at career change, if you're looking at tackling something huge, if you're looking at, you know, doing the unthinkable or, or living out your biggest dreams of what, how you would want to change the world, uh, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I think about just now, all the projects, all the letters of recommendation, all of the residency applications, research, you know, things that pack you, form so hard, like all those things. It's like, I just write it down. It's like, what's the subtask? Not even, what is, yep. not, that's what's the actual task. What's the first subtask to get there? And that's really a, a huge thing. So I think right now, you know, we're recording this on January 4th. So I think there's a lot of people who are like stressed out right now. And I think mm-hmm. we just take things one step at a time, you know, one bite at a time will be a lot better. But that's that's all I have for today. I want to respect your time and get to close up. Do you have any final thoughts as we we wrap up this episode? No, I I just am uh, always open to pushing our profession forward. I'm always open to connecting. I think a lot of times in our profession, uh, people want to like secret away or stash mm-hmm. away knowledge or or insider tips or whatever that we have. I'm I feel like I'm the opposite of that. I mm-hmm. if I can help you in some way, let's do it. Let's figure it out. Um, if you just want to contribute something in some way to start developing new skills, we'll figure out a way to you know, make it happen. So uh, yeah, if I can support anybody, I'm happy to do it and, and don't hesitate to reach out. 
Perfect. That's what we're all about here, you know, on, on the podcast is exploring different options, guys. I, I probably had as many different type of people as possible, and I'm probably the most strange individual possible to, to host a <laughs> podcast, I would say. But I'm really just fortunate to to, to meet. Uh, I think we we reached out a few a few months back, and it's really been really helpful just to know people are doing different things and building different things for pharmacists. And I think that we can recreate what it means to be a pharmacist. So. That, that's really all I had for for today. Guys, check out the show notes. We'll put all the links for, for LinkedIn, the email, all that stuff is going to be on the actual website. So definitely check that out. And we'll close out the same way I always do, guys. You don't have to be a pharmacist. You don't have to work in an ED. But everything you do, make sure you farm so hard.